0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Matt Paulson with me. Matt publishes a daily investment newsletter to more than 92,000 subscribers. He co-founded GoGo Photo Contest, a company that helps animal shelters and humane societies raise funds. Matt also founded Lightning Releases, a press release writing and distribution service. Welcome.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me on, George. It's good to be here.
0: Thank you for being here, Matt. I appreciate it. Sure. Uh, tell us. Let's talk about your uh, daily investment uh, newsletter. How did you start that uh, business? How did you get into that? And you know, you you have uh, 92,000 subscribers, which is a very impressive number. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. So the the story kind of starts off um by 2010 I have an investing news website. It's called American Banking and Market News and uh you know when that site was really starting to take off in 2010 um you know Why do rep- you
0: think is that? Uh why why was it taking off in 2010 and how long has it been online by then?
1: Sure. So I started that site in 2009 and it got picked up by Google News and Bing News and Google Finance and some of those. More specialized kind of financial search engines, and that's what I can attribute a lot of the success to. And um, I think we just really found you know some types of content that work really well and garner a lot of traffic and are easy to write. Um,
0: okay. So, and what was what was some of the content? Because I mean, I you know I want to hear the whole story, but you know this is very important. You know, because I mean, those are so many sites out there that never get any traffic. And they have a lot of content and still nothing happens. So what, sure. what happened? What what kind of content and uh, how did you figure that out?
1: Um, sure. So I kind of figured out that uh, the way to do well when you're talking about publicly traded companies is to mention their stock ticker in your article. Um, so that way, like on MSN Money and then like on Twitter and StockTwits and uh, Google Finance, uh, if you mention the, the stock ticker of the company, um, it'll show up in some of those kind of uh, more specialized financial portals. And uh, you have to do a little bit of work to get into those sites, uh, into those portals. But if you are and, and you mention like the tickers of, comp- you know, the stock tickers of publicly traded companies in your article, um, you can pick up a lot of extra traffic that you wouldn't normally get from Google search.
0: Oh, wow. That's that's impressive. That's impressive. How did you figure that out?
1: Um... Sure. So it actually happened by, by accident. I had uh, one of my writers uh, mentioned uh, – I think, Citigroup in a stock in 2009, and I just saw that that particular article just got a ton of traffic from um, Google Finance and uh, Twitter and a few other places, and I thought, you know, hey, I should uh, have them do more of this. So um, I just kind of had everybody start doing it, and traffic really skyrocketed from there on. And uh, we were really able to take some some article type, you know, some we were able to really latch on to some news. Uh, it's very kind of formula, formulaic, so whenever a company writes, you know, or does an earnings announcement, it's, you know, it's basically the same story every time. So we were really able to kind of make a system out of that and kind of have just, a, um, you know, we didn't really have to look for new content all the time because whenever, you know, a big company announces earnings or announces a dividend, that's a story. Uh, so we were able to kind of build a system off and regularly report on those and get a lot of, a lot of traffic as a result of that.
0: So when you say traffic skyrocketed, what was that traffic? What was the traffic before, and what happened after Google News and these other sites picked you up?
1: Sure. So we I and mean, we were probably at about 100,000 uh, page views per month. Uh, you know, in late 2009, we got picked up. Um, then by you know mid 2010, we were at about a million page views per month, and I think now we're at about two and a half million page views per month.
0: Even a hundred thousand is very impressive. How did you even get? I mean, you're talking. You're not talking about. It. I mean, I talked to bloggers that have blog on blogs on since like two thousand four, two thousand five. Some are two thousand three. You know, I mean, ten years, and they have the kind of traffic that you have. Mm-hmm. So, how do you even get a site to a hundred thousand um, visitors?
1: I think it's really it's a matter of finding out. You know, where is I who are, who is my audience, and then. Where are those people at on the internet? And then how can I reach them? And it just happened to be that um, people that are interested in investing are very easy to to reach. So I kind of got lucky there. Um, You know, there are so many sites targeted towards uh, people that invest in individual stocks. And it was not terribly hard to kind of get into those portals. Um, There are still still a few places I'm trying to crack, like Yahoo Finance, I haven't really been able to get into yet. But there are a lot of places that, you know, aren't hard to publish content to that uh, you can really do we reap the rewards for? And it's not, you know, the same in obviously every industry, but uh, finance happened to work particularly well.
0: So, is it through guest posting when you say I'm trying to get into it? Uh, how do you try to get into those portals?
1: Sure. So, with like Yahoo Finance, um, they only let people like like they have pages for each company, and on that they have like a new section, um, and they only let like people in who are uh, kind of their partners, and they, you know, do business development deals and it kind of varies a little bit from platform to platform like on on stocktwits they I just sent them an email and said this is what I want to do are you guys okay with it and they said sure go ahead you know so that you know they send me a couple thousand page views a day just from from that site and you know anybody can publish to twitter using kind of the cash tags for stocks and uh, google finance takes some work to get into but it's not impossible uh, there's an application process for that
0: Okay. So, so you got, uh, in about a year, you got to 92,000, uh, subscribers? No, nope, That,
1: at, uh, well, right now I'm at, so the investment newsletter, um, so when I started collecting email addresses, that was probably in about January of 2011. So that's really been three and a half years that that 92,000 has been built up over.
0: Okay. So three and a half years and uh, 92,000 subscribers. Now, do you also own analytics uh, analystratings.net?
1: Yep, that's that's my site as well. And it's uh, the reason I started that site is because American Banking Market News and kind of my other financial websites, they, they did very well in terms of advertising revenue. But so much, so much of the traffic came from um, kind of those specific search portals, and you can't always control that, that flow of traffic. And I just didn't want to be so dependent on uh, these other companies to send me traffic to generate revenue. So I decided that, you know, I'm going to need some customers that are buying something from me. So I really wanted to kind of have my own audience that I could kind of contact at my discretion. So I, that's why I decided to start doing the email thing. And I put, you know, kind of prominent opt-in forms on my website so I could, you know, just really catch as many emails as I could. And, you know, when I first kind of started collecting emails, I didn't really know how I was going to monetize it at the time. Um, but I knew that, you know, if, if I'm going to, uh, be able to, if I'm going to want, to want to sell something to my audience, I'm going to need a way to contact them directly. So I started, uh, you know, we had been p- uh, covering stock ratings for a while on our website. So I thought, you know, we already have the data. We can just send it out in an email newsletter. Um, so it was kind of a way to get people to give us their email address. And it kind of kind of exploded from there. Uh, even after I think after collecting emails for about six months, we already had 10,000 people subscribe to the free email list. So mm-hmm. it was really something that kind of started to take off uh, pretty quickly.
0: So what do you use? Uh, do you use WordPress and some plugins to squeeze the emails? What is what, what tool do you use for that?
1: Sure. So all of my sites, all my kind of front-end websites that people visit are based on WordPress. And then the opt-in forms are – I had a developer actually make the most recent versions of them uh, just because what I wanted to do is pretty specialized to what I'm doing and kind of the formatting side of it. I have a guy I know that put it together but there are obviously plugins like pop-up domination that can collect email addresses as well for you uh, pretty well.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I'm looking at analyticsratings.net and I don't see a really aggressive way of getting emails there.
1: Um if if you like open up like an in pri- like a private browsing window and you go to it, there will be a pop-up that will show up. You probably like it only show it like once a day, I think. Mm-hmm. Um so mm-hmm. if you
0: yeah, I was there yesterday, so maybe that's why it's not showing it. Uh, the cookies yep. probably uh, hasn't expired. Yep. Okay, so now how do you make money with, uh, with uh, these subscribers? Do you have products that you sell or is it advertising only? Sure. Uh, what are your revenue sources?
1: Sure, so there are actually three. And uh, when I first started, I thought the money was only in uh, like subscriptions to paid newsletters. And I do pretty well with that, but there are also two other things. Um, so for the, the, the subscriptions, I have two different things. One is a premium version of kind of the daily newsletter that I send out. Um, so when I first started this, I had gotten a lot of kind of feature requests of people that told me they wanted some uh, different stuff in your newsletter. They wanted it like sent before the stock market opens. So they have time to make their trades. Some people wanted like a watch list of their stocks so they could get kind of more news and information about what they had. Some people wanted email alerts and a few other things. So I kind of said, you know, hey, maybe there's an opportunity here to come up with a version of the newsletter that people get so much value out of they'd be willing to pay for it. Uh, so that I launched in, I think, July of 2011. Um, there's also a, kind of a web-based version of that, that where people can have more kind of access to my database of financial information. So that's another product called Ratings DB. So between those two, I think I have about 2,000 active subscriptions right now, and those are you know 10 to 15 bucks a month. So that's a kind of a nice monthly recurring revenue stream right there.
0: Okay. And uh, uh, approximately, how much uh, revenue do you generate just from this one business? Because it's not one website; it's at least a couple of websites and yep. multiple different uh, revenue sources. Can you give our audience kind of an idea?
1: Sure. So the My my kind of whole business, all kind of four things put together, generate between 100,000 and 115,000 a month, and about out of that, about 90 is net profit. Um, Mm -hmm. So out of out of that 90, probably about 65 to 70 is from the news websites and the you know kind of the newsletter total.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the uh, GoGo Photo Contest. What gave you the idea to start? And actually, before you get into that, tell our audience what GoGo Photo Contest is.
1: Sure. So GoGo Photo Contest is kind of a—it's a way for animal shelters and humane societies to raise money, um, so they can host a contest, uh, kind of online, and basically people will submit photos of their pets uh, to the contest. And then they will invite their kind of like the people that are participating in the contest will invite their friends and family to uh, vote for their um, uh, animal in the contest. Um, and then every vote will cost a dollar. So then uh, whoever, you know, at the end of the contest um, has the most votes will win the contest and will win some kind of prize that the Humane Society puts out. A lot of them will do like a calendar and then the winning pet will like be, be the calendar month and like the month of their choice. Um, so, a typical kind of humane society in a larger city, um, there's one in the city I live in, uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. This is a, a city of about 150,000 people, and our humane society is a decent size, and they were able to raise, I think, six or 7,000 this year with us, uh, just from that contest alone. And then, out of that, we keep, I think, it's it's 15% for the first five grand they raise, and after that, it's 5%. So. Most of them end up paying somewhere between like seven and ten percent, kind of to us for an exchange, for running the contest.
0: And how did you come up with this idea?
1: Sure, it was actually a business partner of mine. Um, He had been volunteering at the Humane Society. I think back in like 2005, and uh, he, they kind of approached him and had he had been doing, they had been doing contests, but it's all a paper process. So they kind of approached him and said, "Hey, can you uh, help us do this online?" So. He had written kind of an initial version of that software back then, and uh, it was the last. I think it wasn't. It wasn't until last July that we really kind of turned that into an independent business that is, uh, you know, making uh, going to be a company, and we're going to try to really max it out this year.
0: So about a year ago, right?
1: Yeah. So we uh, yeah, we've run. I think, let me see how many contests we've run. I think we ran, I think we've run about sixty uh, contests so far, and uh, we've helped animal shelters and humane societies around the country. I think we're up to about $325,000 that we've helped them raise up to this point.
0: That's That sounds like a very uh, impressive number. Now, tell me, how do you market a GoGo Photo Contest?
1: Sure. So there are the, – the Humane Society and Animal Shelter World is really kind of a, a close-knit um, community, so they all talk to each other. So there there is a lot of word of mouth. So once we kind of get into an area and we have some success with the shelter, like we tend to get a lot of neighboring shelters around, like we uh, – There was like a, I think, a a Basset Hound rescue in Florida. And then all of a sudden, like after that, after they had run a contest, we got three or four more. So there's some nice kind of network effects that happen when you kind of go into an area. Um, So So it's kind of viral. It is. I mean, there's also some more traditional marketing we do. We do email marketing to kind of let people know that the contest exists and kind of show the success that other fundraisers have. We're going to look at it going to a trade show. Uh, that the Humane Society of the United States puts on sometime. I'm not sure if this year or next year, but that'll be a good opportunity for us as well.
0: Okay, okay. How did you uh, start Lightning Releases? Uh, you know, we mentioned uh, Lightning Releases uh, has to do with press releases for small businesses. Yep. So how do you come up with that idea?
1: Sure. So I had, uh, I was, it was actually when I was releasing one of my new products for Analyst Australian's Network, um, I did a press one press release with PR Lab and then a couple of other press releases with some smaller sites, and, you know, I just wasn't terribly happy with the results and for, you know, what I paid, and, you know, really, I wanted So why to,
0: not? Why weren't you happy? Give us an idea.
1: Well, I mean, with, uh, you know, some of the bigger uh, press release sites, you pay three, four, three or four hundred bucks, and you uh, really expect your release to get out there, and uh, it just... Uh, didn't really happen um, for. I didn't really get the value out of what I paid for it. I didn't get out to that many sites, and I, I really thought, you know, I bet I could probably build a network just as good and be able to charge people, you know, a much more competitive rate than they did. Uh, so that's kind of how the idea was came to be.
0: And when was that? What year?
1: Um, so that would have been 2012 when I started that business.
0: Okay. So so. How are you different from, like, a PR web? I mean, one thing is cost. You mentioned that uh, yep. you're less expensive. Yep. But what in what other ways are you different?
1: Sure. So we, I mean, our, the, the benefit that I pitch to people kind of on the website is that, um, you know, I'll, I'll get their press release in places where people actually go, um, so like new search engines, are like Google News and Yahoo News and Bing News. You know, people go to those, they read the news, they might be looking at a news about um, whatever type of organization that, you know, you're promoting and then your article will actually come up and people will read it. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're one of 10,000 press releases on, um, uh, you know, a, a big network, you know, your article kind of gets lost in the fold. Um, so what we do is we'll, you know, we'll get, we'll, we'll try to get it in places where, you know, people will read it on those new search engines and we'll also uh, send it out to targeted journalists based on, you know, where you are. So if I'm a company in Sioux South Dakota, you know we can send you know your release to people in South Dakota as well, so it's really kind of a two fr- two pronged approach between us getting your release out on the web as good or better um, and some of those other sites, and then we also send it out to, uh, directly to people that are relevant that might actually want to read it
0: and so uh, you mentioned on on your website that you have worked with about a thousand or a th- about a thousand companies uh, each year. use your service for PR.
1: Yeah, I think right now we're kind of trending between 200 and 225 releases a month. So obviously, you know, a lot of those are are repeat customers. There are are a few people that will periodically buy them in batches of 50. So it's kind of nice to know that, you know, people are are getting the value out of your service. Um, A few weeks ago, I sent like a request uh, to my customers to see if anybody would provide a testimonial. So I think I emailed 100 people and then within a day, you know, 20 of them responded back and said, sure, here's, you know, a testimonial. So that was kind of kind of nice to see that.
0: Yeah, it's always good to hear when people appreciate what you do. Mm -hmm. How do you market lightning releases?
1: Sure. So there's a few things we do. Um, One, uh, we do Google AdWords to um, kind of target those relevant keywords. Um, I do email – I do a little bit of email marketing for that list as well. So there's um, – I've bought in a few lists from people that have bought press releases from other places, so I've been able to really leverage those to – Tell people about you know our service and kind of compare it to other services that they might have used in the past.
0: So you okay. get you buy an email list from like an email broker. Yep. What what is the name of uh, that place in, in case uh, somebody wants to check them out for their own business?
1: I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's okay. a trade secret.
0: Okay. Uh So they only deal with p uh, press release uh, email addresses. People no, that purchase uh, press.
1: No, I mean it's a, it's a it's just a list broker that sells all sorts of people that or sells list of all sorts of things. So it's you know just the list I happen to buy. I think they do a lot of other things as well.
0: Okay, all right. Um, so you so you you market it through email. You market your business through email and yep. some adwords.
1: Yep, and we're looking at doing. I'm gonna try to launch an affiliate marketing campaign uh, through one of the networks pretty soon. I've had some people request. Um, you know, to be an affiliate. So I think that's, I mean, the margin, you know, in distributed press release is basically 100%. So it's, you know, you can give a, an affiliate like a 30% commission and you're still fine at the end of the day. Sure, sure. So I'm going to try to try to get going on that pretty soon.
0: Okay. Okay. that's uh, That sounds good. So I was going to, you know, ask you about, uh, I'm very, very interested in the first one to two years in the life of a business because most most businesses fail and they they fail fairly early and i just wanted to you know get your input on you know why why do you think so many i mean you it seems to to me that you are able to start all these businesses mm-hmm. and uh, although you haven't started them at the same time but it's still you know it's one thing to make something successful once but then mm-hmm. to do it over and over you yep. know requires uh, some some real skills so why do you think uh, businesses fail or businesses never take off?
1: Sure. I think I think some people just get married to their one kind of idea that they have. Um, my first idea didn't work. I wanted to be kind of the next big personal finance blogger. You know, I know you had like uh, the guy from PT Money on a few weeks ago. I wanted to be that guy. And, okay. Uh, that that so, didn't work out for me. So, so I, how I fast did
0: it fail for you?
1: Sure. So I started writing on a site. It was called American Consumer News, which is also the name of my company. But I started writing on that site in December of 2006, and I think it was about uh, kind of mid-2008 when I figured out, you know, this just isn't getting the level of traction that I want it to get, and I don't know if I'm ever going to be the next, you know, J.D. Roth or whoever the big guy, you know,
0: trying to So in about system. two years, how much traffic were you able to get? How many visitors were I mean, did you? I mean, was there nothing, or it was just not enough
1: No, success? I mean, the site was getting maybe 1,500 people a day, but it just didn't scale to the point where it would um, you know, be more than a $50,000 a year business.
0: Okay. Okay. So it took you about two years to say, you know what, this is not, not, not the right business for me.
1: Yep. And, you know, at that point, I think people, some, some people think, well, I tried it and it didn't work. I failed. And then they go back to, um, whatever it is they were doing before. But I think the key is it's like, okay, what I was doing didn't work perfectly, but maybe in that there was something that would have worked. Or what's working I could just try more of that or there's something else I could try um, so it's, it's really a matter of you know when you fail you have to understand why you failed and then you can try something else then not make that same mistake again
0: okay okay, and how long do you think i mean do you think it's it's reasonable to go for two years or or somebody should know sooner or there is just you can't really you know, I mean, how much time do you think you need to know, like, you know, I need to pivot here?
1: Sure. I think a lot of it depends on the type of business that you're building. Um, you know, building a blog and building an audience, that's a—that's that's kind of a slow ramp up unless you're somebody like John Lee Dumas who just happens to take off out of the gate. You know, most people for the first year and a half, they don't have many people reading uh, their posts. It's really kind of a hockey stick growth when you're doing it right. But, you know, I had been getting about 1,000 visitors a day for a year straight and that was kind of at the point where it's like yeah, i i don't think it's going to get more than this so i decided it was time to do something else. Okay. But i mean that- if you, if you're going to do like a like a bricks and mortar business and nobody's coming into your business at all for the first 2 months that's uh that's uh also, you know a big sign that you're not doing something right and, and so it, it really depends on what, you know, the type of business that you have, what what is reasonable. Like what what's a reasonable period of time for it to take off and I think the only way to know that is just to talk to other people in similar businesses and kind of ask them, you know, how much did you make the first year? How much did you make the second year? How long did it really take you to have a takeoff? And, you know, hopefully you'll be able to find somebody that will tell you that information.
0: So why didn't you give up? I mean, there's so many people that start something and then it didn't work out. And then they, you know, they just say, you know what, this is not for me. I'm going to get a job. And, you know, it's just not it's just not fun what 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 kept you going and what what told you you know well this didn't work but i'm going to do something else
1: um i just i think i'm the type of person that uh wouldn't thrive in kind of having a full-time job for somebody else i like to be the um, person that i you know i want to get the full value of the kind of the economic value i create i don't want to be working an hourly rate for somebody for the rest of my life so i knew that you know well that didn't work out as well as i would wanted it made 50 grand a year and it would probably still make 50 grand a year, whether or not I wrote on it or not. So I thought, you know, maybe it's time to try something else and see if that um, um, would work better. Um, So it's, I mean, part of it is that I didn't want to have a full-time job and I did at the time. And that wasn't really the life that I wanted to live. And the other is just, it's like, I know there are people out there that, you know, are making a great living through internet businesses, but right now I'm not. And, you know, I don't think that the people that have had success are, you know, any any more special than I am? So maybe it's they're just working harder and been doing it longer and have have gotten beaten beaten up beaten up enough so they know what what works. So it's um, all you know a lot of it stick to itness and kind of trying to realize what works and maximizing that and um, realize when stuff's not working and be smart enough to quit and go do something else. And I'd like to say that you know I've had one failure and three successes, but I mean there's been half a dozen other sites and businesses that I've tried that. You know, just haven't really taken off and um so I'd like to say I'm batting in a thousand, but really I'm batting maybe twenty percent at the end of the
0: day. I'm glad you said that because I think it's so sometimes people forget you know, mm-hmm. and then people when they hear stories like yours, mm-hmm. which I would definitely consider a success story you know, they think, well, you know, it's so easy, you know, you either got lucky or, you know, you're just a genius, you know, but it's really not that. And, you know, the more right. people I interview, the the more, you know, I see that, you know, that's just not the way it is. It's really, you actually, to succeed, you have to fail a lot more than succeed, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and just like you said, betting, tw- you know, 200 average instead of, you know, a thousand, it just doesn't, doesn't work like that. Yeah. Uh, tell me now, so far, it sounds like things went really well, but, Maybe if you could share a mistake, maybe one of the biggest mistakes that you made in business, that would be a good learning opportunity for us?
1: Sure. So I think early on, I was I was too dependent on getting traffic from search engines. Um, so um, like a lot of people, um, I get a, a good chunk of the, the people that went to my, my news website early on was from Google. And uh, they had uh, an algorithm update. I think it was January of 2010 or 2011. Uh, it was called the Panda update. And, uh, and some of my sites took a pretty big hit as a result of that because you know the the length of content I was posting uh threw off a red flag for them and uh the the amount of traffic that I had uh, from Google kind of sunk about sixty percent overnight and you know kind of after that I realized you know I, I'm kind of at the mercy of these other companies that I'm working with so if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be in business and stick around a while I need to you know develop a business that's going to be okay if one of these companies decides to stop sending me traffic or decides to stop working with me. Um, so that's really where kind of analyst network came from. I wanted, you know, my own customers. So it's, you know, I think being dependent on, you know, a big company that doesn't really care about you or who you are or somebody you don't have a relationship with, I think that's, that's a dangerous game. And I think too many people do it and too many people kind of get their butt kicked in the internet business um, just by being too reliant on Apple or Google or, um, you know, any company that has kind of a platform that they own you. Uh,
0: so what do you think is the most important thing for an entrepreneur to do during the first 12 months of being in business? Is it, is it sales? Is it is it building? I mean, in your, in your experience, building your own businesses, what do you think that we should focus on in the first 12 months?
1: Sure. So I think the common mistake that people make in their first year is that they – spend too much time building their product or service and don't spend enough time talking to customers. Um, So I think really early on your goal shouldn't even be so much about your product. It should be more about identifying kind of the market that you want to reach and uh, just figuring out, you know, is there a way that I can market to these people kind of on a cost-effective basis? And is there, you know, kind of a way to repeatably get in touch with these people to let them know um, about my product or service? You know, can I do direct mail? Can I do email? Can I do AdWords? Is there – some websites that I can advertise on to, you know, um, get in touch with these people. Because, I mean, I built some products that I thought were great products. I just didn't know how to market them. So it didn't really matter that I had a great product because if you don't know how to get in touch with your potential customer, you're kind of off the deep end. So I think, you know, really in the first year, um, your, your two goals should be, you know, market identification and market reachability. Um, so if you can find a market that has a pro, or, you know, a problem that needs to be solved, and then you also figure out that you can, um, you know, reach those people, then you can kind of start thinking, you know, if they have, they have this problem that needs to be solved. You know, can I find a solution for them to solve it? And then if you can, you kind of have kind of all three legs of this stool that you need.
0: Okay. Um, uh, what do you think is the biggest time waster for people that start a business for entrepreneurs?
1: Sure. I think there's, um, There are a lot of people that worry about stuff that might be problems down the road but aren't problems yet Um, people worry um, you know too much about like you know what kind of software they're using and um, just issues that aren't going to be issues for them for a long time to come Um, like some people will um, you know worry about what web hosting that they have it's like it doesn't really matter you only have 50 people that go to your website a day so I think if you if you worry about you know problems you worry about problems when they become problems you don't worry about them ahead of time, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Okay. Now, if somebody came to in your family or maybe a good friend that had a job today, but say they see your success in business and, and they say, you know, Matt, teach me, teach me to become an entrepreneur. What do you think is the first thing they need to know?
1: Sure. Um, I mean, the first thing is really to understand what it takes to start a business. Like I've had some friends that have gone through business school and, uh, you know, wanted to start businesses and it's like you have no idea what it actually takes to start a business. You need to work, you know, 50, 60 hours a week for the next four years to make this happen. And uh, I don't think people really understand how much work it is and everything that they have to do. Um, some people think they just have to make something that they can sell and there's just so much more to that. So I think, I think really kind of showing people what, what the actual challenge is. Um, up front, you know, really kind of gives them the perspective of, you know, if I want to do this and I want to do it right and make it work, you know, I need to come up with a marketing strategy. I need to come up with a product. I need to talk to potential customers. I need to, um, build a product. I need to talk to them, make sure they want it. I need to come up with the operations plan to be able to deliver that product. You know, I need to figure out how I'm going to do customer service. I need to figure out my accounting and my corporate structure and, um, Really, I think you know if people understand all of those things, then they know what they're getting into ahead of time. And I think a lot of people, like I have a friend, his name is uh, his name's Peter, and he's trying to start a business for a massage therapist. And I, I love the guy, but he spends uh, he isn't spending nearly enough time like to actually make the business happen. You know, I met with him like a couple months ago, and then I met with him like again this week, and he had not really gotten done. so I was kind of like, Peter, if you keep working at this rate, it's going to take you three years to get your first product out. You need to really step it up. And I, you know, I I see a lot of guys like him that, you know, want to do something, they work on stuff a little bit, but they don't work on, they don't do enough work in a short enough period of time to really get anything off the floor.
0: So I I only have one more question, but before that uh, question, uh, I want to, you know, basically tell people how, uh, give people opportunities to contact you and and get in touch with you. But, you know, what advice do you have for me? For my, you, you looked at my blog, you know, I, I interviewed over 50 uh, entrepreneurs and, you know, you're very successful with your business and, you know, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I want to take advice from you. If you have one advice or a couple of words from me, I, I would be, I would very much welcome it.
1: Sure. So I think, I think with you, um, I think you're doing a great job of producing content. I, I love how many interviews you've done and your consistency in doing them. And just the kind of variety of people that you've done, and I really applaud you for that. I think you know to really, I think you really need to look for ways to kind of maximize the content that you're producing. It's the question is how can I get this content that I'm already producing in as many different places as possible? Um, so if I were you, I'd be looking at getting you know uh, versions of your interviews on YouTube. I would try to be creating um, maybe like an online course uh, that has content from the videos that you have. I'd really make sure I'm doing social media well. I'd make like a LinkedIn group for Success Harbor. Um, you know obviously John Lee Dumas is a great example for how to promote a podcast well uh, and he uh has done a great job in getting his you know it's kind of kind of over the place, and Pat Flynn is another great example and it's uh, if you can get that content in just as many places as possible, that's you know going to be how you'll be able to build that audience as, as fast as you can.
0: Well, thank you, Matt. and how can people connect with you? And uh, what's the best place to check, more, get more information about you and contact you?
1: Absolutely. So the um, first thing I wanted to share is that I'm currently in the process of writing a book. It's going. It's called 40 Rules for Internet Business Success, and it's going to be out on July 21st. And if you want to learn more about the book, um, the domain name is 40rulesbook.com. Right now, it just goes to my website, but if you're listening to this after July 21st of 2014, it'll go to right to the Amazon page, but basically the pitch is, um, you know, it's all of the lessons that I've kind of learned in building my businesses during the last seven years um, so that you can kind of avoid some of the mistakes that I've made and kind of grow your business faster. Um, so I have been posting some of the chapters on my website. It's mattpaulson.com, and paulson is p-a-u-l-s-o-n.com. So if you want to read a few sample chapters now, you can on my website, or you can uh, follow me on Twitter, and my user ID is just Matthew D as and dog, P is in pony,
0: so, Matt, thank you very much. Make sure you check him out at Mattpolson.com, And hopefully when your uh, book publishes, uh, you reach back and uh, I, could, I could add that to the, uh, the podcast notes so people can, uh, people can find it through my site as well.
1: Sure. I will absolutely do that.
0: Thank you very much, Matt. And hopefully we can connect maybe in a year, see how your book does and the rest of your businesses are doing just to get an update.
1: Absolutely. I will look forward to that. Thank you, Matt. All right. Thanks, George.